0: Hello, this is Matt Hale bringing you another Art Monthly talk show on Resonance Radio. And I am joined today by my one guest currently, who is Maria Walsh. And she's been on before, Maria, haven't you? Good good evening. Good evening. Um, Maria is... Uh, A lecturer, but uh, but that's not right. Actually, I must read out what it says at the bottom of the the page of her feature. Maria is a writer and is reader of Artists' Moving Image at Chelsea College of Arts, which is part of the University of the Arts London. Is that correct? Correct. Anything else you would like to add to that list of what you do? I bet you do other things than that. Um, Academically, (laughs) do you do anything else?
1: Well, yes, I've been doing lots of editing. Actually, ah, uh, yeah, you? I'm... Of what kind of thing? Uh, editor of uh, Mirage. Right. Uh, moving, Which is... Come t- on, keep going. Moving Image and Art Journal hmm. Review, whichever... Uh, oh, okay. Moving Image Review and Art Journal. Great. Um,
0: and when you say editing, do you, does that mean commissioning stuff too?
1: It does in the sense of, you know, inviting people if yeah. you'd like to contribute. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's an academic peer review journal, so yeah. it's... Quarterly? Uh, it's a uh, biennial. Okay. Yeah. So, it's a, yeah. And in fact, now we're kind of looking at, uh, we're doing sort of double issues. So there's only one coming, you know, it, there's like, uh, so we've just done this big double issue. Well, that was my first one, uh, guest uh-huh. editing on feminism. So you
0: went for it? Okay, on feminism. So
1: big. Um, and in fact, well,. Um, interestingly enough, uh, if we, because uh, we're here to talk about my feature, but we might also uh, talk about Morgan Quaintance's feature. We might do. yes. We might do. But if we do, uh, it's perhaps just a bit of synchronicity here that uh, in the Mirage double issue on feminism, there is an interview with uh, Andrea... Uh, Luca Zimmerman who is one of the examples uh, that, her film that Morgan Estate uses exactly. in, his, in his feature
0: now I'll just tell listeners
1: what's going on
0: here because basically There was going to be a two-guest show, and we hope it will be. And halfway through, we have planned to be joined by Morgan Quaintance, who is currently filming for the BBC. (laughs) Or is probably, hopefully, finished and is on his way here, but we shall see. But basically, he wrote a a feature called Rules of Engagement, or I think that's we called it that, um, where he wonders why there is not more politically engaged art in these turbulent times. And... Give some examples one of which is andrea luca zimmerman um who's part of a group um that did a show at pier um but we're going to start off really not talking about um morgan's piece because we hope he'll turn mm. up and do it with us um together but we're, so we're going to begin really by talking about um maria's piece called critique fatigue just before we do though i want to just say to everybody who's listening that this is actually coming out of an issue october 2016 number 400 which means by the way it says 400 that means it's actually the 400th issue ever published of art monthly and it's the 40th anniversary issue which is not a huge deal for many people outside of art monthly but for those that have worked there for a while it feels like a sort of fairly big moment which we've marked by putting a large handwritten number 40 on the cover and the words anniversary issue so there you go um nice to have you in the magazine that is the 40th one um, Maria, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to being an expert about the subject of your piece. I'm going to read out what it says at the top, but I'm fundamentally going to ask you some basic questions about some of the terminology and and, and you know terms you use, as well as hopefully allowing you to give your listeners an idea of what your ideas in the future are. Um, it, it says at the top here, just as criticism and the exercise of value judgments based on consensus was questioned by critique... Shouldn't critique now make way for an embedded form of criticality, which helps to produce meaning in art? Now, that's our editor's sort of mm. sum, summing up, just to give people some idea. Um, I don't want to draw you into a criticism of our editor, but is 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 that right? Do you think? I mean, for a way embedded form, for a, an embedded form of criticality, does that is that phrase in itself is that kind of going in the right direction?
1: Uh, the embedded form of criticality is going in the right direction. Uh, <laughs> so I won't say anything Fine. about the rest of it. Okay, but, but um, I mean, not that it's wrong or anything. It's just that you know, it's it's not my words. No, no, uh, that, that's, that's
0: what well. I was. That's what I'm saying. Because we we have started putting in these little sort of sub headings yeah, at the I top, which we didn't used use to do. We do pull quotes and we mm-hmm. do them now, which um, you know, just to kind of make it a bit more accessible, I guess. Because yeah. in in truth, your piece does refer to some quite complicated history of criticism, I mean mm. basically even even just on, on a sh- small level the words criticism, critique criticality and metacritique mm. come up in your piece mm. w- which is, you know, for those that aren't really in, into those kind of areas of terminology mm. it's quite a mouthful really four yeah. C's I think you'd say would you?
1: Well, With um, name at the beginning. can you I, well basically uh, I th- perhaps it would be useful Uh, to look at the Irit Rogoff um, article on page two that I refer to uh, because she sort of sums up um, without going into too much, you know, philosophical and aesthetic detail about critique, uh, you know, rather than kind of going on about, you know, Kant or someone. Um, She just sums up that... uh, You know, and as I say, one could disagree or agree with her, but it was useful for me to get on to what I wanted to talk about, which is this kind of embedded uh, or embodied and embedded criticality. So she sort of talks about this kind of shift from uh, criticism. Um, I mean, the heyday. Well, I mean, Art Monthly is is a a magazine of art criticism. However, in terms of uh, art criticism. I suppose she's really thinking about, you know, more like um, turn of the century, 20th century uh, and 19th century people like Baudelaire, um, um, modern painters, a lot of that kind of work. And then Greenberg and all of that. There was a kind of uh, there were a lot more stakes involved in the idea of art criticism that somehow, uh, you know, I mean, apparently artists would be waiting for judgment from the critic, and it would make or break them, and well, all this Greenberg, kind of thing. Particularly, Greenberg, yeah. particularly <laughs> that of kind that of kind, of kind thing. you
0: know, po- and Pollock and Cone. Yeah, the,
1: of- so I mean, in a way, that sort of... Um, you know, And then that goes on to uh, this idea then of sort of both modernism, but also a kind of modernist idea of... Uh, crit- Basically, I think that, you know, that is over. I mean, most art criticism, yes, people can make judgments. It's not like it can't be done, but um, a lot of it is to do with, in some ways, marketing. Um, And it's not a break or a make situation. There's many reasons for this, uh, not just economic. It's also the changed nature of art practice. I mean, artists don't any longer sort of, you know, wait for critics to sort of tell them what's the meaning of this work, because meaning is is produced in a very different way uh, today, which we might go on to talk about. Yeah, well, it'd be Uh, nice to try
0: and... uh, What I was hoping was, in a way, that this little... This, what you're talking about now. So that's that's the first,
1: that's the first C, bit, so that's yeah. criticism. So then I was going on to the sort of uh, modernist idea of critique, which often does come from... Um, th- there's a, another route, really. There's one the sort of route of criticism, making judgments. And then there's linked but different is the route from sort of uh, philosophies of judgment, which would be to do with critique, um, I guess... It loosely often comes from Kant, but what I would be referring to mostly in this article, uh, very loosely would be, uh, and I am generalising as Rogoff is here as well, is the Frankfurt School, Um, people like Adorno, who continued that kind of Kantian thing, which was to do basically, in a nutshell, to do with um, well making... Uh, judgments taking a a correct distance from something um, not becoming emotionally involved with the work of art because that would lead you to sentiment um, entertainment uh, seduction um, being seduced by the work which was seen as kind of promulgating um, the sort of dominant ideology, the status quo. And the idea of critique was that you need a sober distance from the status quo in order to see the work of art as a kind of a negative um, uh, working against, if you like, the status quo. So it's kind of like the work of art, it's as a form of representation would be like a negative form of of mimesis that's Adorno's um idea and Adorno and horkheimer you know the culture industry they were against you know the culture industry what's
0: mimesis uh,
1: represent copying to copy gotcha in in a in a nutshell but it it can be more complex but um, and when was yeah. Adorno
0: writing this roughly uh
1: roughly um well,
0: I need. <laughs> Do you, I mean, are we talking twentieth th- century? Oh, twentieth century. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, sorry. very 19th, basic question.
1: If I was to guess, I'd say nineteen uh, fifties. But yeah. I, I could be so wrong. So,
0: artists that that existed then that, would, that he would have been aware of and looking at. I mean, are we talking about? I mean, he, abstract painting in America. Abstract painting that he would know, he would have known, and did he refer to particular it, artists in well, his work?
1: Adorno is somewhat, I haven't really, it's not my field of expertise. He mainly rewrites a lot about literature. Yeah. Samuel Beckett. Yes, yes. Abstraction. um, Yeah. That's
0: fine. I, I'm, right, I'm so bound to put you on the spot a little bit in this programme because yeah, it's, we're covering you know, <laughs> a lot of ground and I'm demanding a lot of you. I,
1: you know, these are things I haven't really thought about since I was. No, of an course. MA yes, no, when I have
0: read some Adorno. <laughs> well, no, no. Well, no, I read some Adorno when I was on MA <laughs> yeah. as well. I, I, believe
1: me, I know um, what you mean. No, I gave a paper on him, but now, you know, yes, i put I that to that. one side. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, well, no, but the interesting thing that does interest But interesting he me. keeps coming up because, well, no. because more about Adorno and Horkheimer and this idea just of being against Culture. The culture industry isn't about art. It's, well, it's about art as it an idea. It uses as art, an idea. you might say. Um, but it's, you know, so it's more about just this idea of, you know, uh, art shouldn't be entertaining. It should be... Um, Questioning? Serious? In a negative way. It should be serious. But it's know? interesting,
0: this negative view, you mean the work should be looking at things and presenting the negatives is that what you mean
1: yeah that it should negate it should it should not seduce um it should uh call it's sort of a bit like modernist uh, reflexivity it should call attention to its own emergence so to speak and it's it's like the artwork says this is an artwork um basically it it asserts its kind of yeah. artifice I mean, so you i think, you're not I think going of art language seduced. type
0: things you know where yeah bit, where they might like describe that. the work in the te- in a text and present that yeah. as a painting this this that, is that a painting a, 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 it is this size or whatever
1: a further elaboration of that idea yeah, of that's kind a of la- negative critique yeah. okay
0: sorry you now where so are we going basically
1: there? so um So now are we going to embedded criticality or this kind of – so basically then Rogoff is just saying then that uh, currently – that basically that kind of negative critique uh, doesn't um, get us very far in the world we live in, uh, this world of – call it globalization, where, you know – cultural global circulations, cultural differences and the kinds of translations that circulate in our world are much more complex. I mean, negative critique it is kind of a Western imperialist. Uh, it comes out of those sorts of um, traditions in a way. So uh, the world we live in today is, you know, it's overwhelmingly, I think, uh, complex Um I find it this way as a teacher. I see, you know, uh, educate in education. It's it's just very complex. Um, young artists, students who are looking to think about how do you make art today. It's huge. Yeah. So basically, uh, the, what so what can you do? So rather than you know. Um, I mean, some people can, it's not that negative critique. Some people walk away, away, don't they? Yeah. And also, negative critique continues, is is well, you know, continues, it's very healthy um, as a kind of uh, almost like a cult or or a subculture in a way. And and in fact, again, in education, we're always, in fact, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to write this article, even though I haven't addressed this question within this article, because it wasn't about education. But,. I'm when in education, we're always talking about, oh, you've got to be critical. Even today, we're always, you know, uh, in not just informally, but formally in the kinds of reports and forms that uh, we use in education. Assess- assessment, for assessment instance, assessment kind of and thing. feedback, all kinds yeah. of things, feedback forms, um, et cetera. We're always talking about being critical. You know, you've got to be critical. That's what we—that's what we teach, you basically. Mean, st- students
0: of themselves and yeah, their own of practice and their work. And, of, their work. and, and yeah. crit
1: the crit yeah. is, a, is still a staple. The group crit is the, the staple sp- of the art education of the fine art uh, education. Um, so, and it's this, and it, there is this kind of—we don't really examine this enough, I think. What what we mean, we assume we know what we mean because and we don't really uh maybe examine the different kinds of legacies and and also maybe is it the best way to be operating today. So anyway, Irit Rogoff then um talks about this kind of uh embodied and embedded kind of criticality um which is to do with you you can only and and her I mean this isn't my term again because I sort of move somewhere else in the article. But it was useful um, to talk about because, well, she puts it very succinctly, um, because this other and and within this kind of embedded, um, embodied criticality, uh, one would be operating, as she says, from an uncertain ground of actual embeddedness. So basically, um, well, as I say, I mean, it's not a very practical statement on one level. However... It allowed me in my article to uh, move to the sense of how rather than take the ground of critique is always a certain ground. There's a subject, an object with an agenda, whereas, um, and, and that's a difficult, it's a comforting position to take in a complex world, but it may not be everybody's choice. Everybody. It, it may not suit everyone um, and in fact I don't really think it suits how we operate today and the field of practice, how it's expanded. Um, so basically that's that and then metacritique is simply um, that idea of, of a, a critique that can stand outside itself and look at itself functioning like this idea of self-reflexivity. So that's just related to critique, but the when modernist you're, idea of critique. when you're
0: critique. embedded or embodied... Mm-hmm you you mean it's a bit like you're so immersed in the culture that surrounds you mm. and that you actually you reveal it but you reveal it within it so you're you're, exactly. you're unable to sort of look get that that escaped look back on look yeah. down Situation. That's right. So, as an artist, you would be perhaps taking lots of different technologies or or different material forms and putting them together because they exist, and that's what's in life. Mm. And then, but you don't necessarily have a an end game, mm. or or you might have. But it, it well, that's 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 what I really love to put, pull out. Mm. Really, is like what you it,
1: do. You well, you have some um, uh, maybe not end game, but you have some intention i mean however the intention emerges from the field rather than preceding it so it's not like you set i mean artists do work in different ways so Mm. some artists do have uh and and maybe you know that's different from what i've been talking about in this article some artists do have an intention and and they set out to illustrate it exemplify it uh the artists that I end up talking about eventually in at the end of the article uh, they have intentions but the intentions are they emerge out of the kind of the field in which they're embedded or ensconced in a way and they find um, I think that's why moving image which appears in both features is a useful uh, way of kind of it's a container, if you like, for a lot of disparate ideas without actually resolving them into some kind of, you know, meta-critique, but allowing them to kind of um, manifest from within themselves, in a way. So, for instance, let's just say, to take an example, um, one of the films, Ellie Hoon-Gran Ho, um I may be pronouncing that incorrectly. She was in the
0: Witch to Biennale, wasn't she? Yes.
1: Now um this, her film Island, which is going to be screened again at uh, in December at the Whitechapel, December first, I think. Um now the film I, I suppose a lot the films that I'm looking at in this, they're quite gentle films, um poetic in some ways. Um now and and they kind of don't tell you what to think. They allow relations to unfold over time. Um her, this film of the island, it's a place that she is familiar with. She's not from there. But the film um it's like a series, an assemblage, I would say, of shots. That look at um, that show, and that's why moving image is so useful. It's it's both a container and it also shows things without telling necessarily, right. because it's not a narrative film in the sense of telling. Uh, there's very little um, dialogue, so it, it's so you've got like these images, and they're often very. Some of them are very distant. Some of them shift to being close-ups and over time you see that the protagonist of this film who doesn't star centrally but impacts on you over time is actually this stray dog um and it's you know it's it's my sa- it's not lassie you know it's not like um, <laughs> no 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 it, it's a really it's very it's a, you almost don't even sometimes this protagonist is on the periphery and So basically, there's a kind of, um, and there's no resolution. We see tourists, we see inhabitants of the island, uh, tourists visiting the island, taking photographs. So it seems quite tangential at at times, or drifting. We drift in a way. However, um, what is clear is that uh, within those drifting kind of relations is that there is some issue about this dog, it's a stray dog um and there's an issue in the film at, by the end of it we're not sure if the dog is dead or alive so it's not resolved for you and i do uh, did meet um ellie in fact and for instance um she and and she did say that her if you like intention is that we don't know what happens to the dog she doesn't want to say what happens to the dog because it's supposed to make us think about our own responsibility, as I say in the article, not just to animals, but also, I think, to others, the the idea of the other. So without kind of situating the other as an object of recognition, this film, dispersed, it's kind of dispersed relations, but because of the way it's framed there is this gentle unfolding from within the the scene if you like and that was similar to the other film again um my pronunciation may not be very good here uh chow when zoos oriental silk which was also at the whitstable in the same program um that was also very interesting in terms of you could say it was a documentary, but what made it not the usual kind of talking head documentary is, that, again, that the kind of protagonist, in a way, was the actual... Um, it was about a man, you could say, who in he was living in Hollywood. Uh, he, his parents had emigrated to the US from China, and they'd set up a silk store, and he was continuing on their legacy, so to speak. Um, However, the film, the way that, again, the way it's framed, the way it kind of unfolds, the kind of gentleness, the fact that he's not sort of talking at you and sometimes isn't talking at all, but the film is kind of observing him very gently. It's like the central character, in a way, are the rolls of Silk. And that's really important because that kind of... Um, the film makes you then think about, as I said at the beginning, this kind of global network of circulation, where the silks come from, who buys them, Hollywood, um, and now how he's finding it really hard to make a living because, you know, technology, production, the circulation of goods, uh, labour, all of these conditions have changed. So um, people aren't wanting to purchase um, these very expensive unique uh, rolls of silk which the film shows lots of kind of images of which it it might sound boring but it isn't it's very because it's it's beautifully um it moves beautifully from different kinds of scenes from human and um, non-human scenes so that's in a way that that's the most important thing even though I'll just say that I suppose that's the we've discussed the beginning and the end of my article. I was just said there's
0: a whole bit in the middle which we yeah. have we haven't had a chance to really um,
1: in a way the the end is the most important uh, bit in a way um but i'll just say about the middle the middle is is uh because i've been thinking about these things for a long time and they come up in lots of um well they come up everywhere and you know if you're interested in something you see it everywhere anyway and so to get a to get a, another a handle on um how one could sort of uh show how things had changed from this kind of uh, from critique to something else. I used Hal Foster's book. Um, is, that the, book. is that the bad new bad days new art? Days, criticism yeah. Emergency,
0: 2015. Yeah.
1: Which is which is selected writings of his, plus. Yeah. There's. Uh, it, it's older material and um, reformulated uh, newer material, um, particularly the notes, uh, as I talk about the kind of supplementary nature of it. But I wanted to kind of, in some ways, um, I found that book really compelling. Um, again, he talks about mimesis, which we spoke about before. And basically. Um, I wanted to use him because he makes it explicit, but lots of people talk about this kind of... Um, uh, he's hes in favour of what he calls mimetic exacerbation, which is making... Uh, because we live in this, um, you know, what would we call it? Capital. He calls it capitalist uh, terror junk space or something like that. Um, you know, things are um, bizarre and... There's a lot of dangerous elements politically currently at work, um, and and his answer, you know, what can art do in that in that sort of setup? And his idea is make it worse. Um, so so hyperize hyper present a hyper yeah, version of it of it exactly. So I wanted to kind Sickening. of find a way out of that really, um, and that's why I went to this more kind of thinking about these more. Um poetic materialist productions, the two films that I mentioned right uh, I also talk about Sharon Hayes, um yes, because that was also an interesting example of uh using um the past and protest, but in a more kind of poetic uh, way that allowed people into the space to think rather than either being nauseated, which which would be the um, sickening and stuff, um, and feeling helpless. So basically it's kind of thinking about material relations as a way of opening up some kind of inclusion within the space of art. We've been joined by Morgan Quaintance, which is great.
0: Hi, Morgan. Hey, Yeah, I'm in the house. (laughs) You're in the house. Good good to see. Do you want to carry on with a question for... Maria about her piece because our plan was. I don't,
2: I don't really. I, don't worry if you I'm don't. It's pretty, problem. I've just run from. Yes, you have well, I've been up since four. I was putting you on the spot. you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. Well, li-
0: well, listen. You've come. We were going to talk together yeah. about yeah, yeah. her piece. So she, Maybe we can done, do that a bit later. Maria's yeah. done brilliantly. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's not been any problem whatsoever. And thank you so much for actually managing to make it. Thanks for having me. It would have been a good test. No, no, no. <laughs> You're a regular um, appearer mm. on Resonance Radio. I know, and and becoming, and we've always been on talk show art monthly quite yeah. often too you have written a feature in this same issue as Maria's um, which is called rules of engagement by our editors yep. I'm not quite sure whether you call it that too or not um, just what we, okay. always, uh, yeah, y- we okay. try to make connections well, between gonna, two yeah, things so uh, you
2: introduce uh, yourself Go yeah, on. I'm just going to jump in because basically um, the article was called rules of engagement by the editors which is a good title actually um, I've sort of learned I don't title them anymore I just allow what happens <laughs> yes, to come through it happens
0: anyway doesn't but it? I
2: would say that the summary is slightly um, left not left as in a political um, affiliation but just sure. left of what it is that I was trying to yeah, say yeah no, well
0: that, that's your opportunity this is your opportunity, yeah, to, my opportunity to, to clarify that, that. Yeah.
2: basically yeah. what the article is about is talking about um uh, th- there's a kind of new um, uh, wave of artists making politically, so- uh, politically engaged works, socially engaged works uh, that are kind of a, di- a different category from what we may previously or hitherto have identified as um, socially engaged or politically engaged works. I mean, they're not completely different, but there's just some important distinctions that I think um, have broadened uh, the complexity, depth and embeddedness of those two strategies in art and so what i wanted to do is just say here's about three artists who are doing that but there's loads more so rather than me being rather than me wondering about why there aren't more artists i'm actually saying there's loads of artists out here this is a new wave of arts activity and actually the laggardly art world is 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 way way behind they need to just catch up basically i think when we look back at this um uh, this decade that we're in at the moment, I think one of the, the, the main lessons is going to be that there were two main strands uh, of which the art world was a kind of bit late to the party. With one was the internet. Now we're sort of catching up to that, or we've sort of surpassed it. But the other one is the growing role of activism and grassroots um, campaigning in the um, construction, formulation, and the context out of which uh, contemporary artworks are being made by specific, by certain artists. This is different to the idea of um, institutional critique, where you have an artist who, sit, who, has, a bit, who has a period of research and brings that, um, that research to bear on an institution set of circumstances or set of individuals. And it's also different from the kind of, um, the phoned in, uh, we're an institution and we we're going to ask an, an artist to come abroad or come to our regional location or come to some location and engage with a community that we've identified that's um, at, at a close proximity to our institution. So I was was saying that this is actually it's it's engaged in what's happening politically now not some overarching abstraction Uh, it's engaged in actual campaigns actual activism that's happening at the moment and usually the artists that are making the works are also embedded in those communities Um, uh, maybe just by chance or by design and that also there's a, um, there's a, an, another um, further advancement is that basically these works don't operate in that rarefied sphere in which only people invested in the narrative of contemporary art uh, can understand what it is that is going on. And I think sometimes um, when people talk about politically engaged work or critique and, and these different um, strategies... Basically, what we're talking about is a kind of um, a, a hermetic language that a few of us can understand. And I am thrilled by that. I think it's amazing. But I think um, sometimes there's a danger or risk of believing that, uh, th- that um, uh, access to this language or access to these strategies of critique are then available for audiences. They're not really. It's a highly complex language and it takes a certain amount of training for you to be engaged in them and to also to recognize the codes and the modes of sort of sophisticated engagement with these various complex debates, uh, critiques and discourses. This is something different. And more than that, it's something that's engaging with what is happening now. So I use three examples of three artists in the article that kind of engage with a kind of broad spectrum of what's happening politically. Uh, I'm focusing on London because I live in the city and it's not necessarily because I have a a bias to the capital. I grew up here. Uh, I grew up in a neighbourhood called Clapham. Nobody I know lives there anymore because it was gentrified beyond belief. It it, is unrecognisable, right? So that's first of all, but the um, the second reason why i 'm focusing on london well actually the the primary reason i 'm focusing on London is because i 'm here basically and um <laughs> but i always feel I always feel slightly guilty because I feel as if um i 'm not trying to say that this is only happening in London in fact a lot of these um, uh, a lot of these um issues that these artists are engaging with have ramifications for the regions and also um pull in um the regions as well so it 's not just about the capital and forget everybody else it 's actually a um It's a mode of engagement that's really about um, helping everybody. Uh, So, okay, so basically, the three artists I was looking at were um, broadly Andrea Luca Zimmerman, uh, Lucy Parker, and Seekum Chung. Andrea Lucas Zimmerman made a film called Estate of Reverie, which was um, engaging or uh, documenting the lead up to the demolition of a housing estate which she lived on, which was called Haggerston Estate. Uh, Lucy Parker has been engaged in um, exploring and making films about something called The Blacklist. Now, a lot of people might not know about what The Blacklist is. Basically... After the Vietnam War, our government at the time used that as an excuse to launch these covert operations that were designed to um, uh, suppress subversives. It's it's quite similar to what happened after the the 9-11 attacks. Basically, in the name of national security, civil liberties were eroded but this happened institutionally after the Vietnam War and two institutions or two shadowy institutions have had a massive impact on people's lives one of them was a special demonstration squad, now the special demonstration squad was a secret police force who were tasked with infiltrating activist groups um, grassroots organisations and um, any, anybody basically campaigning um, for some sort of um, a social change and we've seen that the, the ramifications of that uh, particular campaign in the kind of state sanctioned rape that happened to victims who uh, had children with these people who thought they were their partners but actually turned out to be other undercover policemen on the left there's a, there's a lot of history about that and another uh, shadowy sort of um, institutional force was this thing called the um the Blacklist and the Blacklist came out of something called um, uh, the the Consulting Association, and um, the Consulting Association was basically this list run by a guy called Ian Kerr who would compile a, a kind of a, well, a list that a company would pay for, and it would then it would have a na- have a series of names of um laborers uh, or manual trades uh, people who um, at one point in their life uh, voiced um, support for. A trade union and if they voiced for support for a trade union they were barred from work and some of these people have been out of work for years and this is this kind of shadowy underground thing that's been going on but both sds and the, the consulting association the blacklist policy have been blown wide open and then the subject of investigations at the moment and uh, so basically lucy parker is engaging with the blacklist in this series of films about blacklisting <laughs> then c Kim chung is engaging with um the rise of the far right in europe and so uh, through video and documentation. So basically, I wanted to offer like you can see if you were to follow um, these three different areas, how are they affecting citizens lives? Right. So you could say, well, uh, we're living in we all know we're living in a precarious period of neoliberal capitalism, zero hours contracts. But not only that, but where you live is threatened because they're demolishing housing estates at like a, an alarming rate. And your ability to get a living wage is going to be hampered because, well, I mean, if you try and affiliate yourself with a trade union, you're going to be blacklisted. You're not going to be able to work anywhere. And then that is th- that um, situation is being uh, fed off and capitalised um, on by the far right, who are using this as a way to bolster a resurgence in their movement by aligning... Uh, their sort of values, their exclusionary values, and their, their, uh, their sort of um, their philosophy of blaming everything on immigrants and, and basically any other that's available. And um, so I kind of wanted to show that these artists are engaging in, in these things. And basically the, the depth and the, the research material and the resulting works could help to inform citizens and empower citizens who are engaging with these works in a gallery. <laughs> Sorry I <haven't>, I, <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, just, I mean, Maria, do you have a question do you want to ask first? Uh, no Okay, I'll ask this one its I usually ask quite basic ones Which might even annoy Morgan I have to say Why is this work particularly able to why are you happy to describe it as art what i don't know what are they actually doing just describe the work slightly more so because you say they're doing this you mentioned the word research and well, filming uh, uh, yeah, i'm not so saying it isn't at no, all no, i no, just no. i'd I, just be nice to help listeners yeah, sure. know how that is different from being involved in all those subjects and uh, whether it be they're, they're living in the places that they're actually trying to Maybe save in in the case of uh, the Haggerston Estate. Artists. Yeah, well, I but, mean, what, how is it well, supposed to I protest?
2: Mean, no, no, but it's... It, oh, yeah. Well, I can explain. I mean, yeah, it, it becomes art because um, uh, art is a kind of vast um, category uh, that is elastic enough to pull in lots of different um, cultural artifacts. That can be film, it can be sculpture, it can be a relation between one individual and another it can be a painting, it can be a gesture, it can be an action. And because um, contemporary art is now swollen to such a degree that we can pack all of that stuff into it, contemporary artists are now taking advantage of the elasticity of the definition of what art is. Um, And these three individuals haven't really pushed it that far because mostly what the end products of their political engagement is are videos, installations, or um well, actually, actually, the the three artists in this it's mainly video, video and installation. So the end product is is a a work of art that you can see in a gallery, basically. And and one of the things that these works are able to do is that the works themselves carry the discourse. So I was talking to somebody about this before. And they mentioned an artist called Roger Hyorns and and cited that he was engaging with this um, issue of gentrification or social cleansing because he did a work where inside a a sort of vacated housing estate in South London, he'd crystallise a room so you could go as a viewer and see and it was quite beautiful and actually that work doesn't really do that what what the work enables the, to happen is the institution to articulate issues surrounding gentrification around that work it's a it, it kind of galvanizes or it allows the institution to like I say, because yeah, um, like that was like an
0: art angel project. So yeah, you're saying the art yeah.
2: didn't do that. The art but, didn't do that, but, but, but they, could, they could voice it around. They could voice it, it around it. Place but it okay. Yeah, but yeah. this work just does it. It's it, in the work. Yeah, it doesn't need a, okay. an orbit of arts professionals. I'm not needed. I don't need to articulate or right. explain to you what is happening with the work, but it's still sophisticated. That's the other issue. Sometimes and. um It's quite difficult to make work that in a way is aesthetically and formally sophisticated but also has a politically direct message. But this is doing it and a lot of artists are doing it and that's why I was sort of keen to champion them and say what's going on? Because we all know that we're living in one of the most politically volatile and significant moments, I believe, of the 21st century, right? But for some reason there's not that much work out there that's engaging with this and it's not because it's not happening. I think it's because... Maybe arts professionals haven't haven't don't have an appetite for it or maybe they're just not engaging with it because I think it, it necessitates you being out there in the world, engaging with activists, maybe um, grassroots community organisations. And maybe that's um, a part of the curatorial remit that people have been slow to take up. Or they've kind of been so engaged in going to art fairs, biennials, hanging out at nice lunches, going to these things that happen in the evening, that they've forgotten that actually a curator should be in the field, not just in artist studios doing studio visits. Maria, do you have a question now?
1: Okay, well. No, no, no,
0: no, you're not banging on. It's great. Yeah. We, we know. It's what so, we're for.
1: for. Um, I guess my question would be uh, less a question about what you've just said, but more maybe just uh, thinking about your article um like the three artists that you've mentioned in some ways uh, before y- you came so obviously <laughs> but there's a kind of they could be in some ways connected to my article in in some respects however um the other aspect i mean i thought that was one side of your article but the other side of your article which would be interesting for me anyway to hear a bit more about because it's uh, stated in the article but i don't really know what happened which is quite different, is the peer, the fugitive image yeah, which that yeah. seems more like, because I mean the other works are familiar to us as art mm. whereas it sa- se- sounded like from the beginning of your article that there was this uh, event, a series of, of events and, and etc. where something else was happening uh, and well, it well, would be interesting to know yeah. what actually did happen at that yeah. event and what were the outcomes maybe yeah. because well, the well, other and can i i'll just ask yeah, you a second so, question because yeah, yeah. it relates to it when i say what are the outcomes i guess i'm also asking that because it seemed like there was something else happening with this peer event and it's more like what we might call political um in inverted commas like a a, a very specific idea of the political which does demand which makes demands for some reason rather than um alluding to the political so it would be interesting to hear what happened
2: basically
1: yeah well and um, if it's would you see it as being distinct in some ways from the film works that? no no, no
2: it all becomes it's all from the same territory in the same universe and the same um, rationale and the same way of engaging so basically this exhibition that took place at Peer gallery was organized by andrew lucas zimmerman and two other artists who are part of a group called fugitive images and they were all residents on this estate in east london called the Haggerston estate and basically this exhibition was a project called Real Estate, and it was a way to um, pull in loads of different artists, but also activists and grassroots campaigners, who were all campaigning in their own ways um, to sort of change what they saw as um, the kind of the onslaught of social cleansing that was happening in the city. Now, what the for me, what the event did, it functioned as in a way that a landmark exhibition should, in that. It was a discourse generator. It set a foundation from which other investigations could be launched. From that point, that is the way that that debate moved into the art world in a cogent, forceful and compelling way. Before then, you'd had kind of these abstract, and you still get um, panels where it's difficult for artists to live in London. Why is that? Mm. How do you feel about it? Where are you going to live? It's a shame artist studios are are disappearing. But this one, actually, it had like um, straight ahead um, artist works engaging or being in the same atmosphere of actually as concrete campaigns so there was a cross-pollination between those different fields the sort of thing that contemporary galleries love really are fighting to try to artificially produce but this was able to happen because it was a kind of um it was a collaborative project with all of these interested parties and i think what it did was it engaged with a wave, with a wave of like housing occupations that are happening across London. I mean, it, it's kind, it's kind of a complex situation to to get into in the mm. sort of five mm. to six <laughs> minutes I've got left. But like, um, basically, you know, since since the financial crisis in two thousand and eight, there's been a rising tide of um, activist grassroots campaigns. And one of the fronts has been to do with housing. And it's not mm. just... It's about the forced displacement of council tenants. It's about, um, uh, the, like I say, the, the social cleansing in neighbourhoods. And this brought together all these disparate uh, campaigns in and around a time mm. where there was a critical mass of occupations and demonstrations so, really, it was a suturing of this weird artificial break between the art world and whatever people term everyday life. There was no distinction, and I sometimes feel like that is more exciting to me um and it's more real to me <laughs> there is a real art but you know it's more real to me than this um kind of distanced um, detached consideration of what may be the political and how we may combat things in a kind of um, symbolic universe in which images and objects sort of float around and signify different things i felt like this was much more what it also did one of the things i wanted to say what i say in this article is that um it uh um it it was um okay so there's a sentence i say it's like um the real estates exhibition was an effort that is not just about increasing access to galleries but was also about asserting and taking ownership of the physical spaces that compromise them and the discourses and debates that animate their interiors so what i was trying to say was that the real estates project allowed people to come into the space who may not never usually be in there but it also gave them the strength and the power to um Drive and all for the debates that were animating what was going on inside. So people were talking about issues that were pertinent to the people that were visiting. It wasn't a kind of prescriptive gallery experience where you come in. There's a there's some weird, um, well not weird, but there's just some um, narrative that somebody's created that an interpretation and in the education department and whatever arts professional that's around has to um, uh, elucidate that for you. This was you were in control. The mm-hmm. people were in control. And I was there as somebody was learning from them. And it was just thrilling. And it also provided a, a model that I adopted. I'm a curator at a gallery called Cubit in London. And I used the same model for an exhibition that I organised called a public resource. We had like 40 talks and events. Uh, we had like, um, uh, uh, it, the, the exhibition was split between talks and events and a kind of uh, resource and research area. And it wasn't this weird detached thing where you come and see a talk and there's nothing where does the energy go afterwards? Mm. You could leave one room and go into the other and see all these different campaigns and get activated. Because this is this is the thing that I also think is important. I had one of these really tiresome debates recently about the effectiveness or not of Jeremy Corbyn with somebody. And one of the things that I said to them was like um it's not just about what Jeremy Corbyn ca- or the Labour Party can or cannot do it's about what you are doing what are you doing as a, as a person as a citizen to change things it's, you can't just sit back and say it's all down to politicians like isn't this idea sometimes when people get lazy about politics, like civil rights just happen because a politician just decided? Mm. I, I don't think racism is a good idea, <laughs> or like fem, or, or like um, parity of esteem between the sexes just happened because a benevolent politician decided to change things. I mean, the suffragettes were blowing up places. Well, it still were...
1: needs to. Ha- it's. T- <laughs> it still needs to happen. Yeah, yeah, but as we see currently.
2: But what mm. I was saying is like there's ways you can you can donate part of mm. your wages every month to specific campaigns you can volunteer for organizations you can you can be engaged you can be there 's so many different ways that you can try and, and and instill some change in in your spare time and I think it 's not people want to do this, but it 's just really hard to find out how mm. and that 's kind of that 's kind of what peer that the real estate project was so fantastic at doing and I sought to mimic in what i was doing it it was almost like um just opening up the opportunity for that to happen because that's the other thing. that I mean, space is disappearing. Mm. It's disappearing and the space to have this kind of discussion and also return to it, you know? like so, so, so it's not just a temporary thing that opens up in a room and then everybody goes home and then you have to wait until next month where it's in another mm. community mm. centre. But there's just one space for, like, a month and a half. It's just always happening there. And, um, yeah, so I, that was just really... I mean, I can only talk from my personal experience and people that were around me, but people, it was a fantastic, really, really fantastic experience. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: so That's that's Pier, which is just around the corner from Hoxton Square in East London, yeah. run, run by Ingrid Svensson. She's yeah. been doing it for a lot, quite a long time now. The Board of Trustees, I think, and they've just expanded the front of the place. But um, it is an unusual place, and they don't get funding in the same way they used to a lot of these places, so...
2: But, I mean, one of the things that, like, it it was um, Maria's article, because I read Bad New Days as well by Hal Foster, and I was a little bit disappointed, because for one of the reasons Mm. that they, a lot of the sort of... um, uh, you you kind of like well-respected critics from a specific time just don't seem to have the time to engage with a a, a lower level of artists, you know, not a lower level of artists, but it's not like we're going to get Hal Foster talking about James Richards or we're going to get Hal Foster talking about Jesse Darling. I think he's,
1: uh, I think, well, maybe we might not, do. But we we, we might. won't get them talking about maybe the peer example of that kind of an well, exhibition. I
2: don't think we're going to get them talking about anybody who's young because when I when I read that book, it was people like Andrew Serrano, Cindy Sherman, people who don't really have much relevance to what's going on today. But what will, will serve well to illustrate his thesis. Yeah. one of them of which was this thing of mimetic exacerbation, and all, which which is basically another word for acceleration. And I kind of feel a bit like these things it's kind of one of the the targets of what I was saying they're intellectually interesting and, and oh. Oh, really, what? We've really come to end end the end of the we We're
0: not ending on the hour. We're we not ending on the hour. All well, right. We've right. just imploded well, <laughs> no, well, listen. Both, thank you both, Morgan and Maria. And listen, Morgan, I'm really sorry. sorry. You will be on again, uh, whether it be with Heart Monthly talk show or not. It's like, it's, it's like back in the World War II or something. What's this music? I don't
2: know. It's from the life of Quacky. <laughs> thank you <laughs> so much. Hell hell this, soundtrack. this is yeah.
1: from someone not very young. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot for coming on, guys. Thank you for listening to... Come back to our monthly talk show again, please. Goodbye.